Well, 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 we are back, ladies and gentlemen, and we are live. It's your host, Conway T, and it has been a minute since we have been on the airwaves, tuning into your ears and giving you the listening pleasure of everything English Premier League. Of course, we had a little bit of a break there in the strange season that 2022-23 is with the World Cup. And of course, Argentina taking out the title and Messi being lauded for those achievements. There has been plenty of things happening across the English Premier League, including signings, including departures, including the great Ronaldo signing for the mighty, mighty Saudi Arabian team that he has. And of course, we've had Arsenal maintain their standards at the top of the table and Rudd's wearing his jersey proud. Welcome back. Gentlemen, I have Wade and, of course, Rudd's back on the airwaves. What it do, boys? Welcome back for another episode. Happy New Year, boys. Compliments of the season. Happy New Year. Is there any other way to wear your shirt, Connell? Other, other than pride? <laughs> huh? I can check that. And normally, every week, this old outfit, I've got the LSD top on. Now he's wearing I'm wearing the, mighty, I'm I'm wearing the mighty Colts. Yeah. The mighty Colts. That's where it's at. That's where it's at. <laughs> He changed allegiance. He's wearing his local team. That's a local oh, team. Let's heart break, huh? Let's heart break. Hey, hey. You know what, Chance? I've got to take it on the chin. You know, Raj was coming here miserable last year. Every, you know, like you had to pick him up off the floor every episode, but he was here. Wade was swearing. There were conspiracy theories. The refs were out to get them. Now, Arsenal are top of the league. I mean... It can only happen in this crazy season where you have a World Cup in the middle of the year, Wade. Yeah, no, um, we're enjoying the ride, you know. There's a lot of talk <laughs> about who's going to win the league or are we going to do it or are we not. But I'm, I'm just enjoying it, man. Like, where else would you want to be? So, I'm enjoying it while it lasts. Well, I'm not sure. There's a supporter, who cares if yeah. you're going to win it or not? You, you want to be, I mean, you do care if you win it. But you, the most important thing is that you're in the title race from yeah. start to finish. Yeah, you have you to. Need that conversation. You have to in enjoy the, race, the journey. You know? It's about the journey yeah. as much as it is. It's been a hell of a long time so. since Arsenal have genuinely 100%. been in the title race. Hundred percent. Oh, the the journey is important. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me a lot of um, the 2013-14 season with Liverpool, where I, I never ever thought, I never really ever believed we were going to win the title because I was like. The side has so many problems. Whereas your side, I'll be honest with you, and I said it in that Brentford game, and I just, you know, God, I don't want to bring up this morning's result, but that just proved the point of how difficult that place is to go to because I was actually very concerned going into that game. But I remember when you played Brentford at the, I think it was in August or, or September, and you demolished them in yeah. their home field, which nobody does. It was a statement. Nobody. It was a statement. In fact, that was their only loss of the year. But it wasn't just the fact that you won. It was how you won. They were completely outplayed. Um, so, yeah, in- interesting times ahead. But, of course, yes, there's been plenty of action across the Premier League. You know, we've, we've come straight back into it. We've seen uh, Tottenham drop points. We've seen Man City drop points. And I do want to touch on the City thing, boys, because I said it at the start. All that's happening is a shifting of sand with City. Haaland's soaking up all the goals. As far as I'm concerned, they've dropped more points this season than they have in probably most seasons before. So there's an interesting dynamic playing out there at the same time. You've, of course, got Liverpool, which is probably the most inconsistent team right now, along with uh, our boys in blue, which is Chelsea, who are also all over the place. 
I think United have steadied the ship and Eric Ten Hag has really set out his foundations there. So plenty of things happening. We might just keep it open, Rudds. I mean, how have you taken what's going on at United specifically and maybe maybe then touch on your 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 counterparts there at City as well? Well, I mean, United, you're seeing progress. You're seeing a coach doing his job. You're seeing some difficult decisions being made, like Ronaldo getting getting benched and then dropped. You know, that, that that's not an easy task for any manager, particularly a manager coming to a new club where you've got someone who's loaded as one of the greatest players of all time. So, you know, that, that was a real sort of battle and challenge for him, and he's come out on the right, on the right side of that. Well, um, can I ask I you a question? I, I have to ask you something, because it came up in the World Cup, actually. Do you think it actually made Terik, uh, Terik, Eric Ten Hag look like an actual genius? Because not only was he outed at United, and people were like, how can you do this to United, uh, to someone like Ronaldo? But he was done the same thing at Portugal by a manager who absolutely adores him. Yeah, so so it gave him credit in the bank, bro. That's what I say. Say, hey, this was like you know, it wasn't a personal issue with him. It was just the manager picking, you know, his best eleven and picking what was best for the team and for the progression of the team. So um, I think all in all, I think he's doing well. I, I remember like twelve months ago this time, um, you know, you guys are arguing around United, you know. Mr. Trick and should have gone for Conte. Um, and the argument then was around Conte is not that fit because of the football he plays. And United want to get a progressive coach and want to try to change that because he really had that with Mourinho. Um, so, you know, I think um, as, a, as a fan, you know, it can all turn to shambles next year. Who knows? But, you know, he's saying the right things, he's doing the right things, even with, with Rashford getting benched this week. I mean, that was another good call, you know. I was late for a meeting. He's, he's an informed player. He rocks up. It's on the bench, you know. Does it, you know, that the short-term value of a player is not as important to him than the long-term, um, you know, collective and what that means for the team. So, you know, whether United make top four or not, there's a long way to go. You know, the the signs are there. There's some there's some real standout performances, some real standout players. I mean, the quality of of Casemiro is just wow. You know, like. Um, we haven't seen that quality of player for at United for a long time in the midfield. Like you know, he is he is a Rolls Royce in doing the things that people take for granted sometimes. So you know, a lot of our goals come from him breaking up play. A lot of our goals come from him making interceptions. You know, he's he's a he's a master at that dirty foul that that, that City was so good at. Remember um, what is his name? Um, that Brazilian was it Fernando? Fernandinho. Um, Fernandinho. He was another one that you know would foul and foul and foul. It's just those tactical fouls that stop play, stop the counter, and they, they seem to never get yellow cards. You know, that's the same thing that Casemiro's added to us. I mean, Varane has also been another one that's been fantastic. You look at the, the you know, we're talking about big calls with Ronaldo. There's other big calls. You know, Harry Maguire's our captain, and he's on the bench to Luke Shaw at the moment. Luke Shaw is playing centre-back for United. Not playing left-back. He's playing centre-back ahead of a fully fit Harry Maguire. And he's looking like um, Maldini in the back there. You know, he's, 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 you know, we haven't had too many challenging fixtures while he's been in there. Um, but he's been looking good. So, um, you know, at the moment, it's all going well. I think with, with Man City, I know they had a, a hiccup before the World Cup with the Brentford game. I think that they lost that game in the final kick of the game or something like that. 
Um, and they have looked a little bit rusty, even in that Liverpool game. I mean, there's a lot of teams, I think, that are looking rusty. Even I think I can go through all teams. They're not quite at that same level as they were, um, you know, just before um, the World Cup. So I do think there's a little bit of that in it. But they, they seem to lack a little bit of pace as well. Um, so that seems to be evident. Um but they're still scoring goals. Haaland's still scoring goals. I think um, normally, you know, that Everton game, normally when he's, he takes that big chance and they're winning 1-0, from there you expect them to clean the team because now, you know, the, the team can't sit back against him anymore. But they, they're just not as polished as they were, as, they, as they've been in the past. Saying that, you know, I don't put it past him to just go on a massive run. There's a long way to go. Well, wait, on that, on that Man City thing, if I deflect, let, let's look at some stuff that has occurred. You know, you've got Erlen Haaland, who is, is, is on course to smash every Premier League record there is. In fact, every, any English record that stands in top-flight football ever. I mean, if he keeps scoring at the, at the rate he does, he, he'll get north of 50 goals. Um, he's played 15 of 16 Premier League games to date and already has 21 goals at a rate of a goal every 58 minutes. As I said, he's, 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 he's on course to smash every every single record there is in terms of the Premier League. However, you know, the stats don't disagree, albeit that they're very close with Man City or two points worse off at this stage. At the end of the day, City are dropping points. They are two points worse off than they were last season in a, in a battle with Liverpool that came to fruition after the new year. So they're actually two points worse off with arguably what you guys told me at the start of the season – was someone that would take them into the next stratosphere. Now, the part that I struggle with is you have a team like City with a striker like Haaland. There's a theory out there that exists that says, well, when you have someone like Haaland who's scoring all the goals, other players probably may tend to put a bit of over-reliance on that individual, which means they don't really need to chip in with goals here, there, and everywhere. And it's actually clear because the next top scorer... I think is like on six goals, which is, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure Foden. So you've got quite a big gap. Whereas when you look in previous years, pretty much every person that played for City was on the, was on the actual score sheet. So they shared the goals around quite collectively and probably were more fluid team. There's something there, surely. You may have the best striker in the world. It doesn't mean yeah, you're going to win every game. Yeah, that goals though, that, that Foden on seven seven goals I think he's on, that still puts him in the top five or six in the league, right? Um that's that's still No, I get that, but oh, no, hang on. This is not this is not this is not a comparison to the rest of the league. This is a comparison to what City used no, to I'm produce across their board. And to what what City are now, where they have a beast of a striker that soaks up all the goals, and yet they have dropped more points in this season than pretty much any other season. That's the part I'm really trying to understand. Because really, by the logic, they should be miles ahead in the league, or at least on par with Arsenal, yet they're behind Arsenal. But if you you unwind that and unpack that, bro, you know, the problem is not scoring goals then. There's obviously, there's problems in terms of the way they're defending and the way they're conceding and what's happening. It's the same... Sort of um, line that I was going to go on. I think it's 
you know, you can look at Haaland and you can you can make a case to say, well, maybe they've they've changed the way they attack slightly to accommodate him, um, being that main focal point now. I also think there's an issue with Grealish. I feel like he's trying to he's trying to make Grealish play. They 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 paid 100 million for him and he doesn't seem to be quite working in that system, you know. So I feel like he's kind of a forced piece in the whole. Um, in all structure as well, so that could be causing an issue. I mean, there's most people looking in from the outside would say Foden should be starting. He's been excellent. He seemed to have built up it. a connection with Haaland as well up top. You know, we're just saying he's a second top scorer. Exactly, and he hasn't been playing. He hasn't been starting, he's right? And yeah. so I think there's a Grealish problem there. And uh, you know, I don't know if it's the price tag. I don't know what it is, um, but it seems like they're trying to force him in there, and he, and he hasn't quite been working, but. I think it's not an issue of Haaland and, and the goals. It's on the other side, which you mentioned, but then I was going to say that they seem to be easier to get at now. For some but, surely Haaland, than... but surely Haaland is having that striker and the way that he plays and what he does, that has an adverse effect on the actual team. No, no that's, what so I, that's what I said necessarily... initially. That's what I was saying. Yeah, that's what I said initially. I said, look, there, there could be a, a case for them now trying to fit Haaland into the equation because they've never had that striker that's as dominant. Like you mentioned, they've always shared the goals around, right? So there's definitely a case to be made to be made that they've, they're trying to make those adjustments now and still figuring it out in terms of that fluidity and, and all that. But I don't think that's the reason why they're dropping points. I don't think you can say that's the main reason why. I feel that it's more so to do with the fact that for some reason now, they seem a bit easier to get at defensively. They seem a bit more susceptible on the counter. Um, and I don't know what it is. And a lot of their passing as well, it's possession football, but it's not cutting edge as well like how it has been these last couple of years. So I suppose, yeah, that could be a factor as well. Um, but I, I don't know. There seems to, they seem to be shaky on the defensive side of things. And that's where I think that the drop points are coming from, more so than the fact that Yes, there is a case that maybe they're trying to accommodate Haaland, but I think the bigger issue is on the defensive end, personally, from what I've seen. Look, I, it's, a, it's a tricky one because you know, Haaland is unbelievable. And in theory, in theory, as you said, Rudz, you know, at the start of the season, City should be unstoppable with him, yeah. as you said, because he's, he just scored... He, that man is on a field and he looks like he's going to score every time because he, he's almost close to the finished product and yet he'll probably only get better. Yet they are, I, I still cannot explain how they are dropping more points, as you said, Wayne, than they were in previous seasons. Um, with someone who's supposed to be so effectively better, unless what is occurring is when you're accommodating a striker like that, structurally and tactically, there are tweaks to your chain, to your system. And that is having a ripple-on effect on how you actually set up defensively. Because you're not going to get the work rate of a Gabriel Jesus from Haaland. He's not going to be dropping defensively to do anything. No, but I also say, like, maybe the last points of Man City. So, they have been changing their back four quite regularly. So, they haven't had a constant in their back four. You know, you go back to last year and the year before, you know that whole back four. You know, you know, Jao Cancelo is not starting anymore. You know, and... and, and he yeah, but he's been he, dropped. He, he, he's he, been he, dropped. Ruben Diaz, you know, was starting. You don't know if if, if Laporte's going to start. Ake's in there. Kanji's in there. You know, there's this young... The only, but the only player that was has been injured is Laporte. Yeah, 
Yeah. The other so, guys have been dropped based on, like, Cancelo's been dropped off in performance. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So there's obviously an issue there in terms of the, uh, the, the back line. But even in the games they've dropped, bro, like, you know, we'll speak about Liverpool dropping points and having poor performances in their points. You can speak about a lot of teams that, you know, weren't up to it. When I watch the team, when they're dropping points, even this game against Everton, another day they thrash Everton 4 1. You know what I mean? There, there, there was a lot. They still dominated that game. They still created so many. Yeah, drives. but Rad, let's be honest. That's that's City. That is City all the time. When they lose, they generally dominated the game. They are very seldom outplayed because they dominate possession. They're always on top of teams. And generally, a team catches them like Damari Gray did and scores a worldie out of nowhere. So it's. That's, so how, that's, how do you equate? For I don't that? know. That's not news. So, yeah. So so you know a team scoring scoring a worldie on you, you know there's nothing any team can do about that. That's always going to score. A yeah. No, I get that. I get that. But the point is with a with a world class striker, they have less points than they had with no striker. And maybe it's an adaptation phase that will come, as you said. I'm just at the end of the day, the way you all made it out to sound, and especially you, Rudd, was. City will not be stopped because they signed the best striker in the world. He'll score a gazillion goals. And I challenged that and I said, yeah, he'll score a lot of goals, but all he'll do is take the goals away from everyone else. That's all he'll do. But City are still going to be the same team dominating every game and then yeah. dropping points randomly. But they're dropping more points than they ever did before. And that's the question. Well, only, only point. I don't think it's, it's down to goals, like- though. I wouldn't say that. Yeah, it, I don't say that the, the reason they're dropping, and that's that's the point I'm trying. No, to of make. course it's... So yes, you're right. You were right in in that. The, you know, he's gonna he's taking goals away from other um, players. Yeah, now. but you you made it sound like you made it sound like City were gonna score 200 goals because they had Ireland. Yeah, but and I they, kept they, saying, they, but they, all they, all they're gonna do all yeah. they're gonna do is soak up. All I they're gonna that, do I is think soak up. Different conversations, though. You, you're right about that. Yes, he's taken he's taken away more goals, but they've still scored more goals than everyone else in the league. That's not the reason why they're dropping points. They do that every year, but they do that every That's year. That's true, but for me, they just for some reason they seem a little bit more susceptible on the counter now. Like you can hit them on the counter if you soak up their pressure. That really, that's the only way to beat City, isn't it? You it gotta ride your luck. You gotta you gotta sit tight. You gotta you know you gotta ride it out, and then when you get that chance, you gotta take it because you you're not gonna get many chances. So you have to be efficient if you get those one or two chances. That's literally the the blueprint. To beat City, there is no other way, in my opinion, that you can get at them. So, well, the only other way is if, for some reason, our the one team that does give them grief ninety percent of the time is Liverpool, and it's probably because we send the game into complete chaos with them half the time, and Pep doesn't really know how to deal with that. Yeah. He actually said the other day, ironically, after that Carling Cup game, that Liverpool's system is the most complicated system he's ever come across to counter. But I think you were saying that, and I was saying to my, my brother, Brent, who's an avid listener, that it's the way City play. City never changed the way they play. Yeah. So for that passing game to actually counter Liverpool's mayhem game, if you want to call it that, it's difficult. But for someone like Brentford, they can actually outdo Liverpool by very basic things. But Pep is never going to be pumping long balls up to a big striker. Let's be honest. He's going to figure out the way to build up from Edison and break you down. Otherwise, he's not changing. Yeah, his principles but anyway, mo- the same. Yeah. his principles will always remain the same. Now, I know you're dying to get into Liverpool runs, and we're going to save the best for last, Wade, which is obviously your team. They deserve it. They're on top. But let's start with the Maya that is currently Liverpool. So, hell of a season. You know, I was under no illusion going into the World Cup. You know, we needed that, that break to come. But I was, I, I was never 
one in the camp of, oh, the World Cup will come and then all of a sudden the, the problems are going to be fixed. There's major issues. And the biggest issue that exists in that team is the midfield. You know, we've signed one midfielder in four and a half years and a world-class midfielder at that in Thiago. Um, but the issues in terms of our system and how we play, it actually this is where you actually see the value of what Fabinho, Henderson, Milner, when they were slightly younger, brought. It was really energy and doing all the dirty work around there. Now, when you're bringing in someone like Thiago, and then you still have the, the older legs of Henderson and for Pru, Fabinho, the man looks like he's playing with concrete in his boots every single game. It was only a year ago, two year, for the last three seasons, we're talking about this all being one of the best CDMs in the world. This all looks like he shouldn't even be on the park, and that's so hard for me to say because he's just, he can't, it's like he can't do it anymore. Henderson is another one that just, there's like a game Henderson will be great or a game Fabinho will be great, and then they go back into this lull. Our midfield is a major, major issue. A major issue. So, so we sat here and we applauded the work that uh, Michael Edwards did and Klopp in terms of the way they recruited and how smart they were in terms of getting some young players and unknown players like Gini Wijnaldum signing. Um, I must be honest, bro. I think in terms of the transfer strategy, you seem to be sort of punching, you know, stepping in the same boxing ring as other teams. We were we were lauding Liverpool for not being in that, you know, not going for those big names, trying to find those gems and, and build it in. And and what happens when you get into these big names? Like sometimes the prioritization of what the what you need to do depends on who's available, and then you might jump and get someone else who's not really what you need, but is the right calibre, and it does add something, and you try to fix it, you know. So I, I don't I think like that that strategy and planning. Is not as good as it was before. Maybe you can tell me more. But like, I look at the Gakpo signing, and I know David Luiz, uh, sorry, not David Luiz, um, um, Jota and Luiz um, are, are both injured, and they can be out for a couple of months. Um, but I would have thought, you know, that money, you, you're throwing at a midfielder. You know, 100%. Like, you know, if I'm, if I'm Klopp, I was saying, we we in desperate need for legs in the midfield. Get me a midfielder, you know, but instead of get an attacker. So I, I just wonder about that. And then I listened to Jamie Carragher this morning. I don't know if you listened to his comments and he's like, some of the players that they've brought in are fantastic. They're technical players. They remind him of players that Arsene Wenger would get, you know. Um, however, they don't seem to be top players. Um, and, you know, and, and that's a mate, like, you know, and, Still early days for lots of these players, but that's a major indictment in terms of the recruitment when you're saying you're getting in players because they're technical and they're good and they're world-class, but they're not fitting into the club system. So I don't know what, what your views are on that there, Connell. Well, I, look, I think there's a number of things that have gone wrong this season. And again, we'll go to them. Injuries at the start. Players like Cavallio and Elliot, very technical players, I fully agree. Um but have played far too many minutes for their age. And I don't think that was ever the intention. However, you got players, I'm sorry, but his time is up now, man. He's just, watch, he had a great game this morning when he came on to influence the game. But the man will be injured in a game or two as Cater. His time's up. I'm done with that guy. And honestly, Ox is another one. There is baggage within the team. You know what? I actually had this conversation with some Liverpool supporters. And this is the difference between... Maybe a Klopp and a Fergie or a Klopp and a Pep. 
I genuinely believe that Klopp is extremely loyal to his players. And it's actually his undoing in some instances. So there's so much loyalty shown to war. It's about, it's a hindrance to him and a positive all at the same time. You know, these players have run to the ends of the earth with him. But he's almost, he's got such a personal relationship with them at the same time that it's like a father letting go of a son. And I genuinely think he looks at it like that. Yeah, It's the only logical explanation I can have because, you know, Henderson and Fabinho right now could probably play a part as squad players, but they need the, the youngsters. That bad, bad uh, the slighty that came on the other day, Stefan Bacicic, you know, he, again, technical player, but he's got an engine. When he came on in that game, it was a midweek game. I can't remember what it was against, but we need energy around a player like Thiago. If Thiago is going to be a hub, you need energy around him. And you need workhorses that aren't necessarily technical. Harvey Elliott is one of the most technical players you'll actually find. You know, he's like almost like how Jack Wilshere was at his age in terms of that technical ability. We, we, I don't have an issue with the Gakpo signing because, bro, we cannot go till March trying to get into the top four with Salah and Nunes. That's two players when we play 4-3-3. We play 4-3-3, we're not changing that. We need someone else. He's being forced to play Cavalio. He's now being forced to play Ox. And then Bobby is unfortunately unreliable with injuries at the same time. So you can't go all the way through there with three those three players only. So I understand the Gakpo signing. I think it makes perfect sense. I, I, I feel like we actually did do one over the other teams in the fact that this kid is only 23. He's got all the potential in the world. And for $35 million in the modern market, give me a break. You guys paid $75 million for Jaden Sancho, and he's struggling. Now, I'm not having a go-up, but I'm saying we got a similar player of that ilk Produce, that could potentially produce more for half the price. And even if he doesn't at 37 million, who cares? It really is not that much money to lay out. But we have not addressed the single biggest issue in our team, and that's replenishing that midfield. And our press is shit. It is like trying to watch a team. It's shit. I, there's no other word for it, bro. Like, we are trying to play this high line with a team that is three to four yards off where they actually should be, because there's no flipping legs to even get close to the players. So yeah. uh, that stems from the middle of the park, bro. And I look at some of the goals you're conceding, and I just say, shit, that was so easy. It's so easy! It's like that, so easy! That first goal Leicester scored last week. Oh, my like God. Straight through the middle, and you're looking at these holes. And you know what, to be honest with you... Did you see Henderson? Did you see yeah. Henderson? And, and the other thing is this morning... In the game, like, um, there's a couple of times in the first half, Van Dijk always come across as, you know, he reads the game well and he's quick, but he was looking slow this morning. I don't, I don't yeah, know if I was going to be like, I saw a couple of times the Brentford guys five just like... Five yards behind the rest of the line sometimes, and I'm thinking... I, I know, yeah, and, and I was actually wondering, I know they, they said, oh, injury scare or whatever. I was actually wondering if Klopp just said, no, I'm dragged. No, Klopp actually came out and said, no injury. Yeah, so he, he, got, he was dragged. Just drag, which is a massive. Let me tell yeah. you, in our world, that yeah. is huge. Yeah, wow! He just pulled wow. off his biggest centre back and main at main guy in that game. And I think at halftime, I think therein lies probably one of the main problems that you guys have had this year. I don't think you could have seen 
this drop-off in form from, from Van Dijk because a lot, of, a lot of things start with him. Even yours attack, those diagonal balls cross-field, you know, to start attacks. True, that all got me to bond. Yeah, all, and then all of a sudden, Salah's in space on that side. Like, you, you saw it over and over again, you know, um, when you guys were at your best. So, that's definitely... And Salah's simply missing more than he normally does. Salah too. as well. There's a, there's... there's a focus on Darwin missing, but Salah I, I also do agree either. in terms of... I can see this light. He can score a lot of goals because, you know, sometimes small margins, yeah. um, you know, he's a little bit rushed, a little, little bit, uh, un, you know. He's thinking un- about un- it. He's thinking about it a lot more now yeah. because but, the pressure is Can I ask you guys this? Okay, serious loyalties aside, Wade, maybe, maybe I'll ask you, but listen, the problem with Nunes is that he came in for 85 million mm. and it happened to be at the same time as probably the world's best striker, which is Haaland. And immediately there was this comparison. But let's not mince it. These two are in completely different stratospheres. Haaland is almost a finished product versus a very, what I see, a raw lighting. But am I wrong in saying that this kid has actual potential if coach can? Oh, huge. Yeah, it's, it's, he's got yeah huge that's what potential. he's saying. He's saying we yeah, can yeah, see. Yeah, but that's, yeah. that, that's my point to saying. Like I can forgive him because I can see the potential as a young lad. There's a lot of things. But, but the, the focus should be on Salah. You're absolutely right, right? Yeah, because where's, where's Salah been? Since, since the contract, yeah, really, bro. you could say his form's been up and down. He hasn't really hit those heights that he, that he hit before. So, and this is the problem. You've got a massive drop-up in form from Salah, Fabinho, and Van Dijk all at once. And it's, it, it yeah. seems to have hit you guys like a ton of bricks because you watch Liverpool playing on that. That fear factor's gone. As you mentioned, that press, that energy... That, that Klopp's teams are known for. They kind of smother you. They force you into mistakes because they press you high and then they're on the counter all of a sudden and, and before you know it, you're conceding goals. And that's just gone at the moment. You don't see that. And, you know, a lot of, again, a lot of the good stuff used to start from Van Dijk, even on, even on um, attack as well, not just the defensive organization and his reading of the game and, you know, him never looking rushed. Um, a lot of the good stuff going forward started with him as well. So it's like, I don't know. Is it an age thing? Look, I I'll, said after a few games, I'll disagree, the team looks I'll disagree on one thing. I'll disagree on one thing. I, I don't, and this is not a, a, this is honest opinion for me. I don't think there's any issue with Salah other than the ripple on effect of what is going on within the team. So the team is the issue. That man in the right positions, and yes, he's missed some key goals. In, the problem right now is that when Liverpool, the, the few chances they do create in a game, which is even crazy, are being missed in critical moments of games. That is that is the key thing that happens consistently. But our best finisher in that in that entire club is Mohamed Salah. Nine times out of ten, he's going to put the ball in the net. However, when your confidence is gone, which is what's happening within the team, because we are shit from back to front right now across the board. In fact, I think the only player really that can probably hold his hand up in terms of a level produced to some sort of quality besides Allison, who, who stands alone, really, probably, is Thiago. He's the only player within that entire team that I've really seen put in performances, even today, um, or the game before this, sorry. He was, he was excellent. But the support structures around there are broken, from, from uh, the centre-backs to the, to the full-backs to the, to the players up front. It's just a completely disjoint. What made Liverpool great is the, is, the, is the collective, not the individual players that existed within there. The reason Salah got all those goals 
was because of the collective around him. Klopp always knew that Salah was the best finisher. So he made, he made sure that that guy was always in the position to actually get the best opportunities within the team. You know, and that means sacrificing sometimes play other players within the team, like any team. You get your best finisher. Mohamed Salah is hands down the best finisher. But we have to fix the issues that exist within there. And that starts in the middle of the park. Bro, let's be honest, yeah? I'm about to swear. Four and a half years, we've signed one midfielder. Four and a half years. The freaking engine room of the team has one midfielder signed. And the man was 30 years old. You haven't replaced that with anyone else. Some, and I'm talking about someone that's ready. Now, we, we focused on what's his name, Tukameni. Uh, is it Tukameni from... Um, yeah, Tukameni from, from France uh, that ended up going to Real Madrid. And you know Klopp, bro. Klopp is, uh, I want that guy, and that's the guy. You know, and I think the other option is Jude Bellingham, which is not an option. And so it's going to be the same thing because it looks like he's going to Real Madrid as well. So, Well, who knows with all these rumours. But... Are Liverpool going to spend 150 million? I don't even know if we're going to do that. That's, like, that's another point that Carragher sort of brought up. Is like, it's, it's not hard for the owners and those running the club to see that there needs to be investments in the team because that model of trying to pick up those young, like, like we were talking about before, wasn't sustainable because now everybody's shopping in that same market, that money ball market. You know, it's, it's extremely difficult and saturated. So, to get a quality player, you have to spend. And to get to the level you need to get to and get that midfield turned over is going to cost a hell of a lot of money. So it's why they're talking about Liverpool trying to get funds into the club through... Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's a partial I, sale or investment. I don't, think, I don't think they genuinely want to sell the club, honestly. I, I think this is all a, a put the chest out there. Yeah. Can we get money in? I do think they have seen that they cannot... They cannot take the club or get the money that's required to sustain the growth that's required to keep up with the likes of, let's just say, Man City. Because Man City go out and sign the Haaland and then they'll sign someone else. And then you can't keep up with that with the same structure. You shouldn't even think about Man City. You should think about the others. So, obviously, in terms of being at the elite level, elite level is champions. Well, no, I think that's what it's showing them now. So, the the initial thing is, how how do we compete at the top? And the top is Man City, right? Everyone else is now kind of picked up. And maybe that's just a portion of the season or whatever. But the benchmark is City. And if you can't keep up with the best buying bloody basically everybody that there is, it's showing you that you, you need to do something different. And probably Klopp is sitting there saying, guys, like I don't necessarily want to spend $100 million on players, but there's moments where we've got to do things. You kind of have to. Yeah. What I was saying in terms of not comparing to Man City is because we know what Man City are. But if you compare around the other teams around you, right? I think Spurs spent more than you. Chelsea spent more. United spent more. Arsenal spent more. I don't know what Newcastle spent, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they'd be in the upper, upper, upper Tillion. So, you know, all these teams are spending more. So, you know, that investment becomes so much harder when you've got those others that are competing for the same talent as well. And you know what the thing is, Raj? I don't, I, I genuinely don't. Look, we signed Andy Robertson for $8 million. There's yeah. quality out there, right? The scouting network, I'm not asking the, personally, unlike some Liverpool fans, I'm not asking the club to go spend a hundred million on this one and 500 million on that one. Go and find the diamonds. that are, We've done nothing in the middle of the park and that's the most frustrating. There's got to be some players out there in that 24, 23 bracket, for goodness sake, 
that we can bring in for 30, 20, 40 million, somewhere in there. There's not a view that maybe Harvey Elliott was an answer for us not, you know, I'm talking it from a Liverpool, if I'm a Liverpool, we don't need to go and get another midfielder because you've got Deslati coming through. If you bring another midfielder, that's going to be a barrier to him getting into the first team. Yeah. Uh, look, it's like I read somewhere, something, something, something needs to change because Klopp, obviously fans, you know, Klopp came out and said, you know, we signed Gakpo and then the first thing I heard from supporters is who's next. He's like, we're not, a, you know, we just don't have money falling. From, he was basically saying like, we don't have money falling from the trees. You guys aren't even happy with who we just signed. You're already asking what's next. And the counter to that was, there's an issue within this team. Either it's a structural issue or it's a personnel issue. But either way, there's an issue. And if you're not going to spend to change the personnel issue, then fix the structure. Because what we are doing right now is a shambles. Even that Leicester game, God knows how we came out of that with three points. I have no idea. Literally. You know, if it wasn't for that FASO, I'm sitting there going at the end of the game, how the hell did we win this game? Like, ridiculous. I thought it, Absolutely was, uh, ridiculous. I thought it was David Luiz in disguise. <laughs> he looks like David Luiz. And he was, he was doing David Luiz things as well. That's like, that's stuff you expect from David Luiz. Man. That guy had a nightmare, man. I actually felt sorry for him because he was just, yeah, he was in all sorts. Jeez. Eh? Absolute all sorts. And look, 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 I want to move on from Liverpool. We have major issues. We, we, need, we need investment within the midfield specifically, I think. Um, I don't have issues with, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold and the narrative that's pushed out there about his defending. If you don't understand how Liverpool play, we have always been susceptible down the channels. And it's just taken this long for teams to actually figure that out. But when you, our system is correct, it's irrelevant of who's there at the time because we have the system that's right. The system is broken, and right now that needs to be fixed. But I want to focus on the best team. And I don't have an issue saying it because actually they have no issue with Arsenal, really. But unbelievable. I really thought the Brighton game would, would get you unstuck. In fact, I tipped a draw in that game because Brighton are a quality team. But again... Arsenal rocked up and put them to the sword with no Gabriel Jesus. Wait up. It's coming home, surely. Surely it's coming home. <laughs> Look, it's, it's hard to deny that the belief grows, you know, with every result like that. And then when you see other teams dropping points, like a weekend like we had this weekend, for example, or this last round, we had to capitalize. You know, and everyone had played already as well. So we could see that there was drop points. And... You know, you, you go into those games and it feels like there's more pressure now because it's like, all right, everyone's drop points. Can you all sustain it now? Can you all push on? This is another test. And they've just been passing every test. I mean, look, we started well at Brighton. I think we came out and we blew them away early. Um, and then they grew into the game. They started dominating the ball a bit more. But defensively, we've been so good this year. We've been really good. Like our foundation is solid. Um, so we're not an easy team to score against, you know, which is probably probably doesn't get spoken about a lot because going forward we're so much better now. There's so many guys that are playing well, so it's it's nice to watch, man. Like I said, I'm just enjoying the ride. There's obviously going to be City lingering the whole way through. They've been here before. They've done it before. We're the youngest team in the league. 
we've collapsed in previous seasons when the pressure's on. So everyone's kind of waiting for that, you know. But but surely you're seeing something that's different oh, no, in this, this team to, to previous yeah. editions. No, no, this team's way different. Listen, so there's got I came, there's got to be an element of you now that's going. We we can do we can actually do this. Bro, I know it's hard to say. No, no, well, listen, like this is my perspective. I came into the season very confident that we'd finish in the top three. I looked at the, the no, you I did. looked at what we did in the summer. I can give you that. And I yeah. said, there's only yeah. two squads that I would put against what we've got right now, and that's City and Liverpool. I didn't expect Liverpool's fall off, obviously, you know, to, to turn yeah. out the way it yeah. did. But yeah. I genuinely felt that way because I always felt like we're just a couple of pieces away from going up to another level. Maybe not where we are now. I'd be lying if I said I, I thought we'd be, you know, seven points clear halfway through the scored, season. Yeah. Of course not. You've only dropped five No points, one would have predicted that, you know. Crazy. Every team yeah. that's been in this position has gone on to win the league. To win the you league. know, so yeah. there's that there's that pressure as well. But even statistics like that, I don't get too excited because those previous teams didn't have to deal with the city team. This city team <laughs> exactly. is the is the is the fear factor. You know what I mean? So even with that being said, I'm enjoying the ride now. Everyone's playing well, but we need to add. Let me. We've got three games coming up. Um, now we've got Newcastle at home. We got big games. Then we go yeah. to Spurs. Then we yep. play United at home, right? And yep. then I think there's two games and then we it's play Everton, City. which is still tricky yeah, anyway. Everton, Everton and then someone else yeah. and then I think City. So we basically play City, United, Spurs and Newcastle in these next six games or so. If we can come out of these games and we still have like a five-point lead, let's say, over City, then I'll really start getting excited because I feel like this is I, I would these too. next few yeah. games now are crucial. We could easily oh, drop points, but City City also have a tough run coming up. They've they've got some big games. I think they play Chelsea. They play, they play a couple Chelsea, of other yeah. big teams as well. So listen, if we can get through, if we can, I think I think it's around the fifteenth of Feb that we play um, City. It's like that that six game after this run. Yeah, if we can go into that game and, and, and come out of it and we're still five, let's say five points clear of City, then I'll really start getting excited. But I'm enjoying it for now. Um, but it's, it's, it's cliche, bro. But it's, it's one game at a time. I, I can't get too ahead of myself. Like, Arsenal you. fans have PTSD because of what we've been through in the past and all the implosions that we've seen over the years. So... It's not new. Hey, it's listen. new for us now. This feeling—it's like up. Seventeen well, years ago was a long time, bro. I can't remember back then. I, so. I'm a veteran at this. I, listen, yeah. I'm the pinnacle <laughs> of what it takes to wait and think you're close, and we get in there, and oh, it's, this yeah. is the year. Yeah. So I feel you. I feel you. Don't get too. There's still. I think let's not lose sight that there's 22 yeah, games exactly. left. We're not even halfway. But I, you know, personally, and rather get your opinion. But what I've seen from Arsenal is. You know, I think Jamie Carragher almost said it best, but it's like I'm watching the the Arsenal version of um, Liverpool right now in terms of the confidence that is playing within your team. You just, I don't even think you believe you can lose, which is where Liverpool were for that period. And I'm also seeing the Liverpool version of Arsenal only last season or the season before or under Wenger days because we're a team that at patches look good but ultimately lose all the time. No no fight, no hunger, no nothing. So, hey, Arsenal, what an impressive start. When I saw that statistic that 
They were only three points off the best start after this stage of a season. Of all time. This is a team to of all time. And that's including the Liverpool team. That's including the, 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 the Man yeah. City's team. Including all of that. So, oof, it's a really interesting time. Rads, I mean, should we just put the ribbons on for them now? No. Um, <laughs> look, I think, I think if I'm an Arsenal fan, I'm enjoying it. Of course, I'm enjoying it. But if I'm, if I, <laughs> I think there's a lot of good stats in terms of, you know, the leads in this stage of the season. But this is a different season. This season's in two parts. And we don't hit the halfway mark until the end of February. You know, so there's still a shitload of games to be to, to to be had, and I don't see Arsenal going the whole season without having a slump. I think they will have a slump. Um, so you know, I don't think they quite the polished team to go through a season with just two two games that they've dropped. So I think there will be more games than just that two. So and it just it just seems, you know, if I'm Man City. Um, I'll be thinking, all right, we'll get to, we're going to play them twice though. Um, before we play them, if that, if that. Oh, have City and Arsenal not played once yet? They haven't played. So oh, the game got postponed City, or something. Thinking, yeah. yeah. So if I'm thinking I get it to below six, then, you know, I'm backing myself. So I think there's a, there's a lot to, to be had. Also, I'd be a little bit concerned about... I think Arteta's doing a fantastic job. The squad's doing a fantastic job. as a young squad. It's a young manager. And I think that, that also might might throw them off a little bit when it comes down to that real... You know, this is not pressure yet. You know, when you're getting yeah. down to those... There's no pressure now. Games, and their pressure's there. But like in the game against Brighton, when Brighton had that goal ruled, ruled yeah. out for 4-3... It would have been so interesting if that goal wasn't ruled out. He was trying to calm down the players on the sideline, but you look on his face... That was nerves, bro. That I was like, you know, you're thinking like, you know, this is not the pressure time yet. They're still long, you know, so I wonder if that's going to work against them. So I'll be interested to see how they, they strengthen the team because um, I think um, if they are going to win the league, they will need uh, bodies coming in, one or two, just to, you know, keep the momentum, make sure they can deal with the blows. You know, they've got Jesus out for probably another four or five weeks, not even that long, right? So, um, but, you know, just to make sure you've got a lot of competition, everyone fighting for spots, um, but he's got to make sure that the right characters so it doesn't have the opposite effect as well. So I, I'm keen to see who comes in. Um, I think they, they're all looking at a couple of waiters, confident of, of as his name, Mundry. And I think that's that, that's going to be key because um, we, we need to get, we need to capitalize on this momentum and we need to push on now. And, Look, Eddie and Ketia is 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 it, a decent backup for Jesus, but it's hard for I think for any Arsenal fan to feel confident that all right, this is going to be the guy that's going to take us through. You know, I think he's he's still too early into his Arsenal career. I know he's the same age as like Saka and those guys, but those guys have been doing it now. Saka and Martinelli, yeah. there's that expectation now for these guys to. Score goals. They did it and, at the World Stage. They did it at the Yeah, Cup, exactly bro. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so you've got that expectation of them. Whereas Eddie, you know, you you worry about it if this is going to be the guy now that we're relying on for the next two or three months. So if we can get in Mudrick, and we can get in How Felix, I'll really get excited. If if we can somehow pull those two moves off, Mudrick will be good. But he's he's I guess a a, a bit of a lesser known talent. I know he's had a good. Um, Champions League, but how Felix is a guy you feel like who's 
on the verge of becoming a, a really big superstar. So I'll, I'll ask you a question, right? So Jao Felix, he comes, you know, he'll come for, he'll be the, you know, one of the top owners of the club, yeah. um, even on his current wage. The numbers are astronomical. So he's coming in to start. There's no doubt about that, right? Yeah. Um, so who's, who's coming out of the team? You'd have to think Eddie would come out. Oh, it would yeah. be Eddie. Do you, so you think Jao Felix would play as a number nine think so. through the team? Yeah, I think he would. Yeah. I can't see where Alcy plays. I mean, he might think about moving Martinelli into the center. That's the only other option. But the way Gabby's been playing on the left-hand side, I don't think there's been a better left winger in the league this year than Martinelli. Like, he's been terrorizing wingers, uh, fullbacks. So, I, I see how Felix yeah. coming in and being that... Yeah, he, he, he operates as kind of that false nine, doesn't he? Drops deep, he gets involved in the play. That, that's, so. that's the thing. So, I think, the you know, just in terms of... The dynamic of the team. I'd be looking for someone who's, you know, that that who can play that role. That you know, I think Eden Ketia has done well to be the backup because he's filling in that void. You know, yeah. he's, he's giving the same type of options, same type of runs. He's getting into those positions where Jafet is going to drop deep. He wants to get the ball. He wants to run it, run at defenders. So that's a whole different dynamic of a, of, of a player, yeah. and that changes the dynamic of the team. So I'd be a little bit cautious of. Saying yeah, let him come in and play through because that'll change the dynamic of that attack, you know. And and all of a sudden you'll be wanting to get the ball where maybe where Saka's getting it or where Odegaard normally is getting on it. And these also are doing well. So I'd be, I, I'd be more worried about that. How Felix in terms of he's a fantastic player as a baller, but is he the he's right? He's a different type of player. He's a different type of player. I get what you're saying, but you know one thing that um, you saw with Jesus when he was playing is that yes, he operated majority of the time as a number nine, but he would also drift. He'd be out on the right-hand side sometimes. He'd be out on the left doing things. So I think what Mikel ultimately wants is that front, that front three to be quite fluid and to go. Because Martinelli can come into the center a bit more sometimes. You know, sometimes you see Saka yeah. sort of almost in a central midfield sort of role. So it's a very fluid system that he has. Um, and, and where does Mudrik play? Mudrik is a left winger predominantly. Um, I think he can operate on both flanks, but he, he'll, he's a left winger. That's where he's... He's sort of um, right. he's earned his it just gives you gives someone option. like him gives you gives you an option yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. Right. because now you look you at need it, options when you're trying to go for a title if Martinelli yeah. comes off now let's say Martinelli go picks up an injury right for some unforeseen reason then the next guy you're looking at now is Fabio Vieira who's unproven in the yeah. league you know what I mean he's sort of a project sort of guy Smith Rowe has been injured he would usually come in and play on the left hand side or be another option for us but coming back from a long injury. So you get someone like Mudrik who can come in and you expect that guy to come off the bench and make an impact, especially if it's, I mean, like the last 20 minutes, last half an hour. He's very direct. He's very quick. He's the kind of guy you want coming off the bench later on in the game to make that difference. So um, so that would be a good signing. But if, yeah, if we can pull off those two signings, I think it's crucial that we add something in this window to really push on. Um, hopefully yeah, we can get it done soon, though. I'd be looking at someone else if I was Arsenal, right? And there's no links to anyone, but I know there's a slighty um, Lillian Turam's son, Marcus Turam. Mm. So, you know, he's playing as a number nine. Um, he can play across that front three. He's, he's direct. He's, you know, he's strong. Um, and he's out of contract. Mm. So he'll come in the cheap. So, you know, I'd be wondering if that's the type of player that can get you over the line, who can come in and fill that void, who, who gives you that profile you're looking for, I'm just a little bit worried about what Jao Felix 
takes away from the existing yeah. team. No, I hear you. And look, if, if I had it my way, I would probably be looking at a striker that offers us something different as well. Probably more of a traditional yeah. type of number nine, you know what I mean? Because Eddie is very similar to Jesus as well, actually. The way they play, their yeah. energy, you know what I mean? They're going to yeah. run the... That's what, like. he's, that's what he's deputizing. Yeah. So he's doing a good it's job in, in that regard. Yeah. So, look, it's going to be interesting, man. But I think if, if a player like Hal Felix becomes available with the talent that he has and the ability that he has, you got to grab it. If it's a loan deal as well, it's not a long-term commitment. I think it's going to be an option to buy, not an obligation either. So... If, listen, if we if we get that guy in and he, and he, we win a, a Premier League with him, I'm not going to be complaining, you know. So how how long is Jesus out for? Three months initially, but apparently he's recovering really well, so he, he could be back. Sooner. So what date are they roughly penciling him in? For? I would say yeah, maybe end of Feb, early March. I'd end say. of Feb. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because you don't want to rush him back. I mean, you've seen the cluster like that is Liverpool. Yeah bring him back Diaz too early and he's gone and done his knee again. Yeah. So and, and I think that's the risk you run. One of Jesus' main strengths as well, if not his, his, his biggest strength, is his pressing, you know, and his ability mm. to just, just run and run and mm. run, his endurance and his physicality as well. That's right. He's deceptively physical. Like he gives centre-back the hard time. So and, yeah. you definitely don't want to rush him back. But hey, man, listen, we're we on the crest of a wave at the moment. So I'm just going to continue <laughs> to ride it out through as long as I can. And if we can get these results at Newcastle tomorrow morning is a huge game, massive game. So massive. That's that's where Newcastle are absolutely flying. Yeah. So if you yeah. pick up three points there. Yeah. yeah that's I think um, Newcastle haven't won in about what ten attempts at, at Emirates, though. So you know, but you not know, this those, those, the, 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 but the thing is, right? You know, whenever yeah, those those sorts of numbers, I'm like, well, that just tells me at some stage that's got to end. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah, exactly. the bigger that number is for me, the more the likely it is, it is that it's going to end. So yeah. it's like, I yeah, that I'm like, okay, cool, that's nice, but just. As when you're just talking numbers, it's like, right, it's it's going to end at some well, point. Well, yes. Brentford had never beaten Liverpool since the 1940s, so it had to happen someday. <laughs> you know what I was thinking just on Brentford as well? I'll be interested to see another team that's come up from the championship and, and their record against the big six in their first two seasons because Brentford's record against the big six, bro, is, is something Crazy. to behold, honestly. They just step mm. up against the especially, big teams. Especially at home. Especially at They're home. They're pretty average away from they home, are. but at yeah, home. They had a good win at my Lord, it's like last a... year. They, 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 they put four past Chelsea last year. Stanford Chelsea. Played, but yeah, at home yeah. particularly. But just in general. And in the Arsenal game um, that they lost, he came out and said, I got it wrong today. I tried to do this, this, and mm. this, and I shouldn't have. And I, I messed up. But normally, you know, the plan he makes has worked. It so works. Got, you know, because Brentford can play good football. They can yeah. be, they yeah. can dominate possession. And they've dominated position against top teams like Spurs. They dominated the position yeah. against Spurs. Yeah. Spurs, they dominated. They know we're going to be physical. We're going to hit them. We're going to do this. We're going to do they that. Can, they, you know, they've they've got a bit of everything. Yeah, they, yeah. Can, they can dominate uh, the ball. And on the counter, they're lethal as well. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and I was without Ivan Tony. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what even, I know. That's what I was so. Crazy. This is what makes it more sickening and make me want to throw up. Is you literally have the guy that's not there that causes all the drama, <laughs> and we still. You lose. know what, bro? I saw us back Brentford, right? In the tipping comp, but back Brentford. Right? I should have. But I was up late last night, and I was and I, I was thinking, you know, I don't know if Tony's going <laughs> to start, and I was waiting to see if he starts because I was going to change it. I was going to change, <laughs> change it, to it a but I fell asleep. And then I woke up in the morning, I checked the score, and I'm like, yes, I'm glad. Because I would have changed it if I saw Tony wasn't starting. I would have gone, nah, Liverpool, yeah. Liverpool yeah. should take this. Liverpool, yeah. I, know, I know you don't have much time left, Connell, but what do you guys make of Chelsea in the way they're spending much? Because oh. uh, I think there's, there's reports that they're close to Enzo Fernandez. But look at the money they're about to spend on that guy. Look, after they listen. just had the biggest transfer window ever, just by the way. Ever. Yeah. You know, uh, Ugarella, yeah. um, you know, Obama has come in. They've got that uh, I generally think it's an owner that honestly has no clue. He's pissing in I, the wind. I, I'll be very He's honest. This guy is pissing in the wind. I don't know if, he, if this is how it operates in American sports, but it's like whoever's available. I can understand making a couple of statement signings to kind of put your name out there or whatever, but everyone that becomes available, also, uh, Chelsea are linked to. For goodness sake, they brought back Obama Yang. Yeah. I mean, that was the ultimate joke as far as I'm concerned. And they signed Kunku for seventy million, so he's. Yeah. Like, oh, I forgot about him. And they still own Lukaku <laughs> and <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where's this money coming from? Where's financial fair play? Where's this gonna come in? You know, they're, they're just spending. They're just, just spending. I, I actually generally think this owner spending and no one's really advising him properly because I think he's gonna. I think they're gonna get caught out. I think they're gonna be like, I don't know if they've got plans to sell rights to do this or whatever they got um, to make to bring funds in. But if they don't bring funds in, this is not a sustainable business model. This is this is not gonna end well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I'm I'm gobsmacked at the the level of, or sorry, I'm gobsmacked at the amount of money that they're throwing out there, and you know Enzo Fernandez, <laughs> Benfica signed this guy for six million at the start of the season. Yeah, but they're but, they're but, but, look, I'm not saying he's not a quality player, but six million at the start of the season was five months ago, Rads. They're about to sell him for a hundred. This is, as far as I'm concerned, this is a Philip Coutinho coupe that is about to occur. This is a World Cup James Rodriguez moment. This is a sliding doors moment that is Benfica going, how much? Yes, come in, sir. Come in. 150 million for a guy signed for 6 million. Come on. Where there's smoke, there's fire. He's a good player, but that's crazy. That's well, crazy. I mean, the fact that there's there's really no one, there seems to be no one else in the race with them either, and they just oh Liverpool to, would have gone hell no. Yeah, they're just yeah. willing to throw this like as much money as as at him as possible. Is <laughs> just yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And look, Chelsea. I think I said it in our group chat runs, but Chelsea, I have a clueless owner with a clueless transfer policy, and they are exactly where they should be in terms of the position of the table. Mm. You know, no surprise that they're there. And look, Graham Potter could work out in the long run, but that man is under immense pressure. And they're about to play Manchester City back-to-back in the league, and I think the FA Cup or League Cup. So they, they, they're in serious trouble. That man could be gone by the end of January. I, I, I don't know. I think he's not going to last, Potter. I think, unfortunately, he's the right manager at the wrong club. 
Yeah. Um, so I think they needed to invest in the projects around him, get players for him, you know, um, get a system, you know, focus on the way they play the game, not just try to... But it um, seems like signings are happening in, in lieu of him, yeah. Yeah, it's like the Galactico type of movement, so um, which doesn't always work well. So, yeah, let's see how that works out. But, you know, um, I, I don't think he lost this, the full season. I don't. Know, I also don't think Conte lost the full season as well. I think um, I think he's he's itching for someone to sack him, or, or he might just walk, walk out. Uh, well, Spurs are certainly uh, fallen off the bandwagon over Christmas. So, so they lost at home, and he goes, "Oh, it was a miracle last year we made top four. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love Antonio. He knows how to stoke a good fire, that man. That's for sure. Maybe, maybe United dodged a bullet after all runs, and you were uh, right in the end. I've got no doubt about that. I mean, Etienne might not be a success, but uh, uh, Klopp. I mean, uh, not Klopp. Conte was definitely not the answer. Mm. Look, uh, Grant Fries, our avid listener from South Africa, messaged me and he said, Connell, we have a manager. So Grant is happy and the whole world is happy. Just know that. Yeah. A man that was in a state of depression is now quite content with the manager you have. So I think it's you know positive signs for United, no doubt. Gents, we could go on all night, but unfortunately, we have to wrap up this show. It's been an absolute pleasure again bringing you the sounds of the EPL from the What for What the Football podcast. We'll be back on your airwaves hopefully every week. We may miss one or two weeks here and there, but we'll always send out our love. And of course, you can catch us on all the social media platforms: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at What the Football Pod. It's been an absolute pleasure from your host Conway T. Rudds and Wade. We'll see you all again next week.